Late Night Live. Hot topics discussed daily from 11pm onwards. Get involved by calling 0141 375 3434 or search Radio Ramadan 365. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to Rage Ramadan late night live on this beautiful Sunday. It was today. How are you doing, Abu Bakr? Alhamdulillah, Zain. I'm fine. How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm good. I'm good. What did you get up to today? Um, so today uh, I was cleaning up the garden uh, in the house. We're doing a wee bit of a spring clean. What about you, Zain? Yeah, I mean, when I came over to, to your house uh, where I am right now in your garage conducting Radio <laughs> Ramadan's late night live, uh, I seen a big skip outside. So I, I kind of gathered that maybe you took on people's advice yesterday and did a clear it yourself. Uh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, it was a really good show yesterday and it was our first show of, of the month. We talked about positive vibes, what everyone's been up to during the whole coronavirus lockdown. And although there's a lot of negatives to take away from it, there's also a lot of positives. But today we're actually going to be discussing a great topic, which I'm going to introduce very shortly. Before we begin, uh, I mentioned yesterday that we're going to be starting off our shows the right way. And that's with a recitation of the day. So I've gathered a lot of different recitations that I enjoy listening to, but something that I feel would appeal to a lot of the younger generation and the older generation that are looking for new parties and reciters uh, to listen to. So so tonight is a very interesting one. It's uh, a brother who both me and some of the guests that are on tonight know really well. So if we can have that now, the recitation of the day. Today's recitation of the day is by the French Qari Jibril Wahab, a young party from France who will recite the Ayat Al-Kursi. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem Bismillahir rahmanir rahim Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hayyul qayyum لا تأخذه سنة ولا نوم له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض من ذا الذي يشفع عنده إلا بإذنه يعلم ما بين أيديهم وما خلفهم ولا يحيطون بشيء من علمه إلا بما شاء وسع كرسيه السماوات والأرض ولا يؤده حفظهما وهو العلي العظيم MashaAllah, that was the one and only Jibril Wahab, a brother that we know very well from, actually he's from France, and uh, he's got a beautiful voice, very calm and soothing. You were talking about that yesterday, Abu Bakr. I gave you shakes of dice yesterday. It was, it was beautiful. <laughs> and he's, he's a great guy as well. Okay, now coming on to our topic, uh, tonight is something I really wanted to discuss because it's something that's very close to my heart. It's something that I've been involved in in a very long time, and that is the charity sector. So tonight's discussion is all about COVID-19, the effects on the charity sector. Before we go ahead and introduce the guests, uh, I would like you, Abu Bakr, to introduce tonight's topic with an opening statement uh, so that everyone's off on the same foot and we can then introduce our guests that are looking forward to joining us tonight. Ramadan is the busiest time of year for charities in the UK. The month usually consists of iftar, daravi and mosque fundraising events. 
On the other hand, TV live appeals and radio shows also help bring in vital funds for those who need it the most in the UK and abroad. So tonight's show is all about talking about the charities and what effects have, have, been, have been made on the charities. The Muslim Charities Forum estimates that each year in Britain during Ramadan, Muslims give an estimated £100 million to charities. With the lockdown and restrictions in place, how are the charities affected? And to help us discuss this topic today and shed some light on what's going on in the charity sector, I've got three amazing guests that are joining us. So I'll start off with someone that's closer to Glasgow, and that's Brother Akub, who was with us last night. Now, Akub has worked with Human Appeal in the past, so he knows a bit about charities, but he's also the go-to guy to talk about charity current affairs. He keeps up to date with all the latest details and goings-on in the charity sector. Akub, are you with us? Hello, Salaamu Alaikum Zen. How are you? Thank you for having me again today. <laughs> no problem at all, and I'll go straight on to introducing our next guest, which is also a very close friend of ours, Brother Tokir. Now, Tokir is the head of more or less projects and events at Muslim Aid and he's been doing events for the last five years. Uh, I've known him through events, I've known him a very long time. Uh, Tokir, are you joining us? Assalamu alaikum. Thank you guys for having me on. And lastly but not least we have a guest that's joining us from thousands of miles away and it is another close friend of mine who's been involved in the char charity sector for years. Uh, Brother Safian, are you with us? Assalamu alaikum brothers. I hope you're all doing well. MashaAllah. Safian's joining us all the way from Iraq and he's going to be telling us a bit about what he's been up to there and also helping us with our discussion today. So let's go over to, to Akub. Akub, how are you? And let's just start off and get right into it. Obviously, you know what's happened with, with the charity sector. It's been affected as this is the busiest time of the year for charities. You know, what are the biggest challenges for charities this Ramadan? I think um, the the biggest charity is obviously, you know, getting in the income as, as what they usually used to. I mean, I was reading up online and, you know, there's an estimated loss of 4.3 billion um, income over the next 12 weeks. That is across the board of all charities, you know, inclusive of faith-based ones. So the real challenges are going to be how a charity is going to deal with that loss of income. And, you know, and I was having a look to see what, what, what kind of support there was available um, because obviously the government has been trying to kind of, you know, compensate for these losses due to this, mm -hmm. you know, pandemic. And, you know, considering there's going to be a potential loss of $4 billion, um, and they said it, it could potentially even be more. Yeah, there, I, I was reading that myself. Yeah. I was reading that myself, yep. The, you know, they, they've issued that the, the, there's a pot of about $750 million um, for frontline charities across the UK. Now, that's not specifically for faith-based charities, but that is charities all across the board now. 750 might seem, you know, like a large sum of funds, but when in comparison to, to the loss of 4 billion, you know, that's, that is still going to pose, you know, big difficulties across the sector. I mean, even within the 750 million that's pledged, um, you know, across the board to the UK charities, it is being split, you know, 360 million, you know, direct from government departments and 370 million for smaller charities. But from what I was reading, I think a lot of that income is going to be attributed to charities mainly um, focusing their aid within the UK. Yep. So that is definitely going to be challenging for the Muslim um, sector because I know a lot of the aid that is distributed is international. Of course. And so, 
And I, and I go, we will be, we will touch on the international side of things with with Billa Sifian shortly. But going over to Tokyo, Tokyo, you're with Muslim Aid, and it's a fast growing charity based in the UK. And you know, when this lockdown came about, what were your worries when when you knew Ramadan was going to be totally different from you? You know, what are the biggest challenges this year for you with Ramadan and lockdown? So, so I think what's happened here, right, is that it's really put people in a in a situation where they've never been before. Um, I know uh, personally from, for the last couple of years that I've been doing the Ramadan events, the bringing reciters over from around the world, and they go to different masajids to Alitharavi. You know, given they're given the fact that the lockdowns happened and mosques have been closed, it ruined um, just not only Muslim aids but across the sector. I know that you know there's human appeal, Islamic relief, um, even the likes of penny appeal. All of them were looking to target the mosques, um, and you know, with with uh, the corona kicking in, people now have to adjust their plans completely. So they've gone on a full 360 where community events have basically they're non-existent now. Um, so you will see a lot, a lot more charities trying to trying to do stuff online. But the issue here is that because everyone's trying to focus online and everyone's trying to do the same, there's nobody really trying to do things a bit differently. And also the fact that our communities are not so educated as well when it comes to online giving as well. So it's 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 very difficult right now with everyone trying to fight over somewhat the same kind of uh, pot out there. Okay, so you're telling us here that obviously everyone's, there's no community events going on. I understand totally with mosque collections and, and so on. Now, how is fundraising going to take place this year? You're saying online. Is that the only way? Like, I know most charities now have a call centre. They have an online donation form that you can do, and, and it's, it's very easy to do for someone who's donated before. But are you seeing a majority of donations now are coming online due to the current situation? So here's, a, here's an interesting point, right? Um, it, you know, when a calamity hits, you find, that, you find that generally people give a little bit more than normal. So, you know, just having a look at some of the figures, just at Muslim Aid, obviously, uh, where I'm at right now, you find that our online uh, donations have gone up and we're ahead of where we were last year at this time. So given the fact that Corona's hit or whatever, we're actually doing a lot better online. Um, and in terms of, like you said, we, we talked about community uh, events and even the fundraising staff. Alhamdulillah, the government has done a somewhat a very good job in terms of uh, providing this furlough option. So we've been able to kind of put some staff, uh, you know, uh, furlough. Uh, so, you know, we don't incur any extra cost there. Um, so Alhamdulillah, like I said, you know, we, the thing here is we're trying to do our best with, with the limited kind of capacity that we have um, online. It's just a matter of, you know, just being relevant and giving people uh, especially with schools not being, uh, uh, you know, schools also being closed, you want to give people alternative content where if you build a relationship and you build a, a trust there, you hope that the zakat and, and sadaqah will come in uh, from people giving uh, to you because of that. So they're the kind of stuff that we're looking at to kind of do. Okay, right. Now I want to bring in Brother Sufyan because he's joining us all the way from Iraq now. Sufyan, I want you to first of all just introduce, tell us a bit more about what you do and uh, what, what, you, what your position is in Iraq. Uh, and then I want to come on to ask you about your challenges that you face this Ramadan. What would you normally be doing? Assalamu alaikum, uh, everyone. Uh, wow. Firstly, I just want to thank Radio Ramadan for uh, allowing you guys to have this show uh, on Ramadan. And for inviting the guests, Akub, Tokir, and myself. And I know Akub and Tokir, I'm going to give them salam as well. I haven't talked to them in a, quite a while. 
But um, yeah, I work for a uh, British NGO, a Human Appeal, a Muslim uh, faith-based organization uh, based in Manchester. And I've been in Iraq for nearly three years. So my time in Iraq, I've done various jobs um, from working at information management and uh, program team leader and as a head of office. And now I'm the head of operations. So my work exactly is basically ensuring there's a supply chain of all the items uh, that we uh, provide. So from food items uh, to livelihoods, uh, resilience projects, and also and we work in partnerships with various UN agencies and uh, government institutes. Um, but um, yeah, COVID and its effects and what it's done to this sector as a whole, especially in the field, um, it's had a very negative impact. And let's talk about funding here. Sometimes we talk about lack of funding and uh, finding ways to raise funds uh, for those in need. But uh, subhanAllah, in this situation, uh, funds were available. And Allah, you know, Allah provides to whom, whom, uh, whoever who wills. But um, in this situation, the funds are there, but we can't deliver. We can't provide uh, those in need with the support. Firstly, there is no access. For example, in Iraq right now, we work in Mosul, Nainawa, and, and Mosul was heavily uh, hit and um, by ISIS, and it was the threshold of ISIS uh, back in uh, from 2013 till 2017. And it's the, the most vulnerable area in Iraq. And we've been delivering aid here for quite a number of years, but up until this moment and up until February, no, barely any aid has been delivered. And a lot of uh, vulnerable people who are dependent on aid organizations could not receive any aid. And it's because of access. A lot of government institutes have stopped access uh, to prevent the outbreak of uh, the coronavirus. And those who have been affected the most, uh, I just want to really highlight this, and it's not just in Iraq, but all over the world, and in including the developed countries as well, are those who work on a daily basis, you know, who depend on the daily work for their bread, and they don't have any jobs. And they are now vulnerable people who are also dependent on aid organizations, and subhanAllah, they can't receive aid. So do you get what I'm what I'm saying? I, I understand, Sufyan. And, and the other thing I wanted to know then is, okay, you're saying supplies haven't been arriving. Now, when this is all over, it's not going to start arriving straight away, is it? It's going to take time. So we're slowly um, working uh, with the government institutes just to obtain access. And alhamdulillah, slowly over the last few days, things have been getting better and they've understood the need because governments have to protect their own people as well. And, uh, for example, Iraq... It's bordered with Turkey, Iran, and Syria. And the main uh, uh, imports were from Iran and Turkey. And the lot of, they've closed the borders, and only a few items come through. Um, and th the items that do come through are very expensive. But aid organizations can receive those items and can procure them. But delivering them to the people, it's what's difficult. And many, many programs including some of the programs we were, we had uh, on, had to close down. And that affected a lot of jobs as well. A lot of staff members that came from abroad working here were made redundant uh, because uh, the funding was put on hold. And uh, unlike the UK, there's no furlough here. Um, so, uh, so the things have been really uh, 
on a serious lockdown, even the delivering of aid. Right. Look, another thing, I'll go back to Tokir on that one, because Tokir did mention about, about staff and so on. Now, I know during Ramadan, many charities recruit extra staff because it's such a busy time. You've got 10 mosque events happening at one night, and, and if there's no volunteers or extra staff, then you won't be able to, to get the donations that you want. Tokir, have you noticed, but, you know, you don't have to give specifics on your organisation, but just in general in the sector, has obviously there been a, a, a close, a stop on, on inc- recruiting new new staff or and are staff being kept on? Well, I know we've oh. got the follow low system in place, but obviously some charities and businesses are still not able to, to keep on staff. So alhamdulillah, uh, across the sector, actually, not within just the Muslim charity sector, people have taken up this furlough option. So, for example, Oxfam uh, has made two-thirds of their staff furlough. Right, and they they were one of the first to actually do it, and I think uh, you know other charities kind of uh, looked at that and also then followed. So uh, I know within the Muslim charity sector, there's been a lot uh, a lot of people that have been made furlough purely because of the fact that there is a lack of work. I uh, you know the, the fundraising staff pretty much all they know is community fundraising. All they know is about volunteer volunteers and 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 the masjids. And if all of that is closed, it's it's, it's somewhat uh, and especially the way it's happened as well. Some people are not able to adapt so quickly. Um, and again, even online, you, sometimes you don't require as many people. So, alhamdulillah for the furlough scheme that um, you know many people have been able to take. Uh, so many charities have been able to do it. Um, I know as well, many charities have also. I think the government's paying eighty percent, and some of the charities are also covering the other twenty percent. Some are not, depending on their financial situation. Uh, but that has eased the burden because what that does is it reduces your cost, which then you know reduces potentially some of the you know your your high income targets that you needed to kind of achieve anyways to mm-hmm. warrant your spend so it's uh, it, it is the impact is still there but it's not as big as it you know would have been say for example if, if we are in iraq without no further option because some of that kind of stuff you know some of them decisions would have been very hard to make of course right coming back to akub right akub you keep tabs on a lot of what's going on within the sector and, and you've always been the person i go to that keeps a, an open eye on what's going on now Coming back to what Tokyo is talking about, that you know you're not they're not as recruiting as many people. Although in the UK we have the follow scheme, with your background in, in finance and, and knowing the ins and outs of these kind of things, have you noticed that the charity sector has been hit harder than other businesses, than other companies that are are you know letting people go and and are not able to follow and are going into administration? Are you seeing a big effect in the charity sector? I mean, definitely, just simply because of um, the period that the COVID-19 has, has hit us. If if this was post-Ramadan, then maybe the charities would be in a different situation and it, it could potentially have been a little bit easier for, you know, the charity sector to kind of deal with this. But, I mean, if obviously we look at, um, in terms of how funds are actually being raised, I know Doki did mention slightly about, you know, the shift towards kind of, you know, more donations online. If we, you know, if we look at in the month of Ramadan, that we know there would be a lot of face-to-face collections and, you know, mosque collections. Obviously, we still have to abide by government guidelines in terms of social distancing. So I know charities uh, will kind of have a challenge on their hands in terms of how do you recuperate them funds that you would normally gain from face-to-face and, you know, kind of community engagement. And I'm sure Tokir would be able to kind of touch on that a little bit more. Uh, Tokir, are you there? Uh, so Akub is just asking him yeah. again, just reiterating about you know the sector itself and 
the challenges for those within jobs and, and securing their jobs and keeping them on. See, uh, see, the thing here is that unfortunately, uh, charity sector, like many other uh, uh, businesses, organizations, actually doesn't. We don't know what's going to happen. So for for right now, obviously, recruitment's been on hold. Anyways, uh, I think that's the kind of thing with majority of the charities. Besides those who uh, you know need to fill in some positions that uh, you know it, it's it's vital for their survival. You know, because of what's happening. But uh, uh, if I if I if like going forward, right? Nobody knows if this lockdown will end in a month's time, in two months' time. Nobody knows whether the even if the lockdown is over, whether events will be restricted to fifty throughout the year, or you know, or a vast most of other kind of stuff. So in in that regard, we actually at the moment don't know what's happening. I know furlough has been extended by another month, so it was supposed to end on uh, May, the end of May, I think the twenty eighth or thirty first of May, but now it's been extended to end of June. So I know that those charities who have furlough staff will now give a month extension to them staff so in reality to be fair it's it's an unprecedented times like we've been hearing uh, you know quite a few times we really don't know what's going to happen um you know it, it could could work out that everything can fall back to normal um and and you know this ramadan with a couple of weeks left now what three three and a half weeks left we'll know uh you know the health of organizations you know at the end of it to see exactly you know how well it's gone because at the moment like i said for me i'm very surprised at the fact that because of corona um, you know, I was in, 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 uh, expecting the income to kind of dip, but our online in- income has kind of considerably gone higher than last year at this time. Uh, and we've had stuff like live appeals now, which are raising more money. Radio appeals are also raising more money. So it, it, I, I'm not seeing the money. Like money, it seems like it's there. People, because of you know uh, our our religion and 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 you know the the fact that we've been taught from a young age to give zakat and sadaqah, yes. and many many of us in this country are not really impacted by by much because of the fact that alhamdulillah we got a we got a house of you know we got a house over our heads we got a warm bed to sleep sleep in so for us like you know when we see the need out then we have people like for example i was just watching something uh, recently on the bbc and uh, it was an article um uh, written uh, and it was based in india where there was a, a quote saying that hunger may kill before coronavirus and they've got 1 billion people mm-hmm. all, course, in lockdown, yeah. all in lockdown and and you know the sad thing here is that Who's going to support these guys? Who's going to give, you know, when I go to Pakistan and I've seen some of the people there, there is no system in place to look after these people. And if they're not out, if they're not doing what they need to kind of do, then they won't be able to, uh, you know, provide for their families. So the thing is, when we, when uh, it's just human nature, when we see this, even though we might not have as much residual income as we did before, chances are people will, you know, still give something. And I think right now, those people who would have not given stuff, because of the fact that they are home and this is the kind of stuff they're seeing, maybe they will reach out. So it seems like there's enough money out there when we're looking at America putting out a trillion dollars, when we're looking at the UK, you know, pulling out and printing more money. It, you know, it just, you know, I think this is just reminding us of how grateful we should be and the fact that we all need to kind of do our, uh, do a lot more now uh, and, and we need to serve humanity together. Okay. Well, now look, okay, before we go... We're going to go for a short machine break, and and it's great that you touched on that. That people are still donating. Now, yesterday we mentioned a story about the the old war veteran who raised over twenty eight million for for the NHS, and that was such an amazing story. And after the machine break that we're going to go for now, we're going to discuss the different technologies and different ways that you guys are fundraising, and you are getting your not just your staff, but the people that you're working with, your 
celebrities and your guests that you normally have for the month of Ramadan. Now, we're going to carry on our discussion and uh, Abu Bakr, you're going to carry on and the next point. Yep. So uh, I've got a question for Tokir. Um, you put on a lot of, uh, you know, events throughout the year and you, you, you're you on a lot of tours and stuff. Uh, are guests, artists all being used uh, throughout this uh, pandemic and you know, what, um, are they still having the same impact virtually as they would have in person putting on like tours and stuff like that? Good question. Good question. I think time will tell because um, some of the guests, uh, it's the first time they're doing uh, some of these stuff that they're doing online. Um, you are finding a lot more activity from them. So some examples, this time last year, we did a tour uh, called Unfiltered. We used two kind of prominent influencers, uh, Ali Official and Brangle Problems. Obviously, because of COVID-19, uh, you know, this year, we've not be, be, been able to kind of do a tour with them. But mm-hmm. instead, both of them are raising money online. So I think Ali started raising money literally a couple of days ago, and he's on about £6,000. So the thing is, yes, some some of them will work, some of them won't work. I know from some of the speakers and the sheikhs, um, you know, some who have tried it out are not doing so well because they're not being trained on how how to kind of uh, fundraise online. You know, you need to understand that this whole social media space is, you know, you need to understand what's going on with algorithms, with things changing. You know, uh, Facebook, you know, you might have a 1,000 likes or... 100,000 likes and you post something and your Facebook will only reach out to 10 people or whatever. You might need to pay uh, pay the ads behind it. So this kind of stuff is new for a lot of people. Those who can adapt have been taking advantage. Those who haven't are still a bit struggling. But time will tell whether, uh, you know, after Ramadan, these guys will uh, will be able to have somewhat the same impact. One thing, though, I do know is that some of these guys are doing like regular reminders online. So mm-hmm. forget, you know, put the money, money aside at the moment. But in terms of, you know, filling up that space and uh, of benefiting people while they are home, they are trying to do their best. Okay. Now, look, uh, Tokia, I actually had the chance to discuss uh, the whole events thing and, and how Ramadan is affected. Now, normally during Ramadan, we recruit extra people to do tours and help us out. So I had a conversation with Brother Tayyib uh, the other day discussing how his Ramadan is so different because normally they're away doing events and on tour. Uh, so if we can just play that now, uh, it's an interview with Tayyub, who's going to tell us about how his Ramadan is so different when normally he'd be doing lots of events and travelling around the country. So on the phone at the moment, I have brother Tayyub. Uh, Tayyub, as how are you doing? Wa alaikum I'm not too bad, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. So obviously tonight's topic, we're discussing how COVID-19 has affected the charity sector. Now, I know you don't actually work for a charity, but during Ramadan, you normally give up a lot of your time throughout the month to do things that a lot of people don't do during Ramadan. Most people are in their homes or going to the local masjid for Tarawih. What is your Ramadan normally like? For the past two years, I've been on, um, basically on tour Ramadan with, you know, Dakaris that come down from abroad. Uh-huh. We go to a different mosque every night, different, sometimes it's like in the same city, sometimes we're traveling like, Two, two, three hundred miles. Yeah. Into, like during the day to make the next city for the night. So we'll go to the mosques and do the fundraising at the mosques, etc. Do iftar together, sari. So that's that's what my Ramadan has been like for the past two years. So, so I'm guessing you do a lot of traveling and you're driving yeah. around a lot, yeah. Um, last, just last year I checked. I did over in just in Ramadan. I did over four thousand miles. Four thousand miles, yeah. Yeah. 
just three, four thousand. I can't remember exactly. It was a lot. And obviously, you're fasting at that time as well. Yeah, and then the um, you're fasting. And another thing is, as you might know, um, at hotels, the checkout policies um, about twelve o'clock. Okay. <laughs> so you know when you have suhu last year, it ended up being at like three, four o'clock. Yeah. After suhu, so when you would go to sleep after you praying fajr, you would only get like six hours sleep. Okay. And then to travel for four or five hours after that, in especially in traffic, because last year the roads were as empty as they are now. Yeah. So when you would literally leave the hotel, the traffic would start already piling up. So, so by the time you're on the motorway, you're just waiting in traffic longer. So the question is, are you missing it? Are you missing that, that lifestyle? Because Ramadan's hectic for guys like you. You're running around doing all this charity work driving from one city to another and you've got guests to deal with and you know are you missing it yeah i'll be honest with you i'm missing it because when i'm on when i'm actually doing it i'm i'm thinking would i miss this if i don't do it (laughs) now that that i'm not doing it it's actually something that keeps you busy and then at the same time you're getting rewarded for doing the charity work etc okay but now obviously you were telling me before that you don't normally spend Ramadan with family. How how is it now? Like you're obviously at home with family. What's it like? Yeah, I was, I was literally thinking about this. Though. I didn't speak to my mum about it because my parents have been abroad for two Ramadans anyway. Past two Ramadans, I was on call myself. So the last Ramadan we spent as a family together was in 2015 or 16. Okay. So it's been four or five years since all of us have been together at home as a Whoa. family Whoa. for Ramadan. So, I, I kind of miss it because it just takes me back, you know, all them years ago when, when you're a bit younger with your family spending Ramadan. And you have you have, you have that um, that type of buzz about it. Yeah, before, like, I understand you're at home and you're, you're doing it. Now, to finish off, Tayyaba, I'm going to let you go, but could you could you spend another Ramadan like this? If this was ever to happen again, which I pray to Allah it doesn't happen again, but if it did, could you spend another Ramadan like this? <laughs> the thing is, you, you, you just have to get along. At the end of the day, Ramadan is more about fasting and connecting with your religion yes. than it is you know, with like going out. If anything, I think this helps us um, with Ramadan more than it would have done before. Okay. Do, do you get what I'm saying? I, I, Obviously, you can't go pray the night prayer, etc. I guess it gives you time to focus on yourself. Um, yeah, like, you know, you'll be more at home, so you'll be more likely to pick up a Quran and read the Quran instead of just going out with your mates, trying to kill time until iftar. Yeah, well, thanks a lot, Dave, for, for joining us. It's great to hear that point of view from someone who would normally be travelling and, and, and doing all sorts during Ramadan to actually now sitting in four walls and being at home. So thanks a lot for joining us, Dave. Have, have a good Ramadan. Assalamualaikum. So that was Brother Tayyab and uh, he's very clearly described what Ramadan is normally like, not just for him but even for myself, you know, in my Ramadan I'm I'm really, it's so strange this year, normally we're in, in and out of mosques and we're doing collections and we're travelling all over the UK and how normally we would stand with a bucket to fundraise, we're now looking mm-hmm. at alternative methods to do that. So Brother Akub, I'm going to bring you into the discussion and I want to ask you, how should charities be fundraising at the moment? So, you know, you've got so many different technologies, and I'll probably come back to Tukir to tell us about the different technologies because I know he does a lot of online fundraising. What should charities be doing to to basically get donations now? I mean, I think 
um, not just churches. I think all kind of businesses, um, you know, are, are experiencing the same type of problems because I know we've spoke about, you know, the furlough scheme that's deployed by the government. But one thing we do need to consider is if staff members are, you know, furloughed, that means they cannot have any involvement in terms of operations with that business. So on one hand, it's a good scheme because, you know, it does help cover some of your fixed costs. But then on the other hand, where charities actually, at this moment, this is the most active period within within the calendar year, you know, this is where they kind of need their stuff as well. So definitely, I think the simple solution is we need to try to kind of move donations online and try to get engagement, you know, moving from face to face to online. So there's a lot of stuff out there, you know, the infrastructure right now that we have and the technology that we have in this country does actually enable us that we should be able to connect with, you know, maybe at least 90% of our respective target, you know, audience. So, you know, like, for instance, you know, we're doing this over Zoom. You can use kind of Zoom calls to keep in touch with, you know, potential donors. You know, you have your Facebook Live, you have your Instagram Live to kind of reach out to different types of people. You know, I'm, you know, I'm sure you all are seeing now Juma Hutbas, you know, are being done by the Imam in the mosque, you know, through Facebook Live. So there are quite, you know, there's a lot of things that are out there that the charities can be doing at the moment in time. And also what what they can kind of look at doing is, I know there's a lot of stuff out there where charities and businesses can look to defer payments, which should help kind of ease off some of the financial burden that's put on them at this moment in time. So things like rent, you know, even kind of like PAYE payments and, you know, other payments to kind of HMRC, we can look to kind of defer some of them hopefully and start to kind of repay them once all of this blows over and also maybe we can try you know put a bit of pressure on the government to kind of maybe recoup some payments so for instance i know charities obviously you know the ones that are registered are exempt from vat so maybe we can look at claiming some of them payments early you know even gift aid you know try to recoup some of them funds as early as possible so there's quite a lot that actually can be done, you know, from a charity perspective to kind of deal with this, um, which I'm sure the charities are currently looking at doing. And um, so there's quite a lot out there that, that can be done. But definitely from an operational perspective, it definitely is a lot harder for a charity, I'd say, than a business. OK, um, so the next question for Tokia, you know, um, how are charities using technology to uh, fundraise? So are you using like just giving pages and, and so on? So alhamdulillah, um, I'll give you a, a few kind of ones that are kind of uh, a lot of people have joined on. So yeah, just giving is there. There's a, one that's called Launch Good. They're using like all these challenges there. So Launch Good have got this uh, challenge going where you sign up and uh, you sign up to give uh, regularly every single day so you automate your donations uh, and they're going with the hadith of you know uh, best charities given is, is that that's given regularly so you have all these kind of uh, platforms now and in, like for example launch good have got about 4,000 signups and, and like I said you have to give a donation every single day and say just for example they give it they give a dollar a day or a, a pound a day that's 4,000 a day times by 30 that's 120 odd k uh, but obviously some people will give 50 whatever a day, you know, whatever. So I think, you know, these kind of nice initiatives 
uh, along with also a lot of a lot of charities are using you know uh, streaming on Facebook. So they're using uh, various platforms uh, like uh, BeLive, StreamYard, and they've got all these webinars taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and obviously majority of the people have Zoom. I think uh, that they use because I think that's the easiest one. Uh, but they're using all these kind of technologies to do these webinars to engage with their uh, their donors. Uh, and again, one of the reasons is they want to build some trust. Uh, people are not just going to donate just like that. You need to kind of show them what you're doing. Um, and this is just a way of keeping touch. Um, other than that, to be fair, some of the charts are still using some of the basic techniques as well of doing, you know, uh, mailers. So they post, uh, you know, uh, letters in your door because uh, everyone's at home now. Yeah. Um, you know, so everyone's getting letters. You know, I, I, I've read a few messages online where people are still talking about that they're receiving tons of letters and it's a waste of money. But you guys need to understand or, or people need to understand that, you know, this brings in money for the charity for the small amounts of money that it costs them. You know, overall, the return that they get is, you know, substantial. It's like, you know, 20 times the amount that it would cost. And, you know, sometimes rather than, you know, maybe uh, complaining about the aspect of why the charity is doing this, maybe put a pound back and mail it back or two pound back, you know, small things like that. And, and, and it helps and it will help all these kind of charities out. Uh, but alhamdulillah, like I said, we're using technology, but we're also going back old-fashioned route as well and going down the route of just door-to-door leafleting, or door-to-door, uh, uh, you know, letters and even leafleting, to be fair, uh, just to kind of get the message across. Right, Tokyo, for, for listeners that are tuning in, and I've been asked this question a few times now while we've been on here, can you give us an example of what events are currently going on? Because I, I understand that Akul mentioned that our Jumas are being live-streamed and, and charities are trying different things. What are the current events that are going on, not just at your charity, but that you've seen online that people can get involved in? Are there any, any, for example, challenges or or any shows or any guides that maybe some sheikhs are doing? Those kind of events, can you elaborate on anything that's going on at the moment? Cool. Uh, there's, there's a few that, that are out there. Um, okay, if we're talking about Jummas, there's a few, you know, it depends on who your preference is for your sheikhs or who you kind of follow. But if you, if you, if you look out like Ilmfeed, for example, every Friday they go live with a particular sheikh. Uh, my charity, every Friday we go live with a different Qari. So we have like, for example, you play Jibril Wahab. So I think we got him coming on Friday. Um, so it's just a matter of just, once you go online, there's a tons of material there that you can just, you just need to kind of fish through uh, in terms of what, what kind of, uh, kind of what excites you in a sense because there's some shares that might not be interest to you but to others they are you have, you have people like Umar Suleiman are going live every single night um, Yasser Qadi is going live every single night and Numan Ali Khan is going live every single night and they all have topics um, you know Numan Ali Khan is doing like a tafsir of Surah Yusuf for example in the 30 days uh, Yasser Qadi is, is doing like a, a quick uh, uh, tafsir of each Jews every night um, Sheikh Umar Suleiman is also doing something similar but he has also a different another guest on and a special guest every single night and these guys are getting if you look at the engagement level are getting around 50 to 100,000 views every night when they're going live so there's definitely stuff out there I know for example Mufti Menk and he's got a big following Mufti Menk every Friday is uh, obviously doing a sorry. so he gives a little talk um, you know and then every night around 10 o'clock he, he reads a juz um, it's pre-recorded a juz but uh, like I said it's still out there um, so there's Things are changing. There's some new stuff coming in. I know a few charities every Sunday, for example, are doing a webinar, um, again, with different kind of guests. That's, I think Human Appeal are doing something like that. They did one today. This is the fifth one they've done. Every every Sunday, they're going and, and doing stuff like that. 
uh, Muslim Aid, for example, the charity I'm working on in the last 10 nights, they will have these uh, Quran sessions, Quranic nights. Like I said, Ramadan is the month of Quran. So it's just a reminder to people. Um, and again, it's not completely about raising money now, right? Money, you know, I think we have to have like, you know, Qadr Allah, you have to try your best. And whatever will happen, will happen. The thing here now is that you just want to kind of look beyond beyond just that and, and give something back to the community where they can benefit. And inshallah, by, by doing that, you will see that, uh, you know, there's enough out there for everyone. Right. Okay, quickly, before I move on to Brother Sufyan, uh, because he is also a fundraiser of many years, and I want to get some questions across to him. Can you just quickly mention a few names or places? You've mentioned a few webinars and so on. Can you just give us some names so people know where to search if they want to get access to these things? Okay, cool. Um, uh, search up uh, Umar Suleiman, search up Mufti Meg on Facebook. You go there, they're doing Facebook Lives. If you go onto YouTube, you can search up Iman Channel. You can search up Islam Channel. You can obviously watch them on, on, on live as well. Uh, I think Islam Channel is 737 on Sky. Uh, but, so the thing here is online. You can go onto Human Appeal, Muslim Aid, uh, uh, Facebook pages, and you'll have a, a breakdown of all the events there. So generally, it's, it's Facebook is being used as the main platform to uh, kind of push out some of these events. However, again, if you're young and you're on Instagram, you'll find out the majority of these guys are also going Instagram Live. So you have to follow that individual. Um, so, you know, I know a few reciters are doing that. So you just need to, you know, just search these guys up on Facebook or Instagram and you'll find plenty of content. Right. Thanks for that, Tokia. I mean, for those that are local to Glasgow, uh, many of you know Sheikh Soheb from Masjid al-Farouk. He's now doing his Quran live every day for people to listen in. So he's got his, he's on his third or fourth juz now so people can get involved in. And then also someone else that's going to be appearing on a recitation of the day soon is Brother Fatih Sefridic, who's been doing his recordings as well. So a lot of the Qaris, a lot of the sheikhs are giving that time to us online that we just haven't seen before. I know normally they come to our cities and get involved with us that way. We're now being able to benefit from them online. And that's a, that's a great point that you made there, Tokia. Now, I want to go back to the fundraising aspect, and I want to go and speak to Sufyan. Sufyan, people are doing all these crazy ways of donating now, like Tokyo's mentioned, online, just giving, Facebook Lives, and so on. How are people paying the zakat then? How is zakat being uh, paid? Because normally people would go into their local mosque, they would go into their local charity shop, and they would pay their zakat that way. Can you shed some light on how zakat is being, would be paid at this moment, and would, would people's zakat be, be basically interrupted in any way by this? Um, with zakat, of course, um, it's a pillar of Islam and it can never be interrupted. Those who want to pay zakat will always find a way um, to pay it. And we've talked about the different ways uh, aid organizations, especially faith-based organizations, uh, have tried to raise funds. And sometimes it can seem a bit competitive that aid organizations are trying to get funds from everywhere and there's competition between them. But alhamdulillah, it's very healthy competition. And uh, ultimately, aid organizations, whether it be Islamic Relief, Human Appeal, Muslim Aid, um, or any other faith-based organizations, ultimately, we are vehicles that are here to deliver your aid. And we will get to you whether you like it or not, through leaflets, through your mosque online, and through because of uh, the current crisis, the current pandemic, most organizations have really upped their uh, online game um, high. So 
the marketing online, the reaching out to the people, ensuring um, they give the sadaqah and give the zakat. So the cat is, is a pillar of Islam and those who don't have online presence aren't aware of the online presence of aid organizations, they have a link to the masjids. And many masjids are close, uh, have close relations with aid organizations and they give the zakat to the aid organizations. So they will advocate and they will contact uh, their people and tell them we are taking the zakat and they will approach the masjids. Remember the masjids are only closed for salah but the imams are still there. The, uh, yep. the masajid still give adhan as well. And uh, I've, I've seen a lot of posts as well, you know, uh, Adhan's been given in London. So the messages are still open, the imams are still there to be contacted. So if anyone's listening, you know, thinking, oh, I have zakat, how am I going to give it? Of course, online, we live in this day and age, uh, we can access the internet at any time. And of course, I always advocate to people to give you a zakat on time, give you a charity and don't delay it. Um, but yeah, there are lots of NGOs out there, lots of charities are uh, ready to take your aid and zakat will never be interrupted because ultimately is a pillar of Islam and and uh, every single one of us uh, has to give it if they're eligible. So zakat, yeah, uh, alhamdulillah, will always will always be there. Alhamdulillah. Safiyan, one thing I want yeah. to ask, right? so okay, thanks for cleaning up the, the zakat thing because yet yeah, a lot of people would be worried about that and I know I've worked in, in the masjid where Normally, people just walk up to the door and pay their zakat or give donations. Now, of course, yeah. Let's just say you're a local fundraiser. Let's just say I'm the local fundraiser for Glasgow and, and the South or whatever. And this has happened. This lockdown has come. All the contacts and connections I made prior to Ramadan have now been not avoided, but more more or less. I just can't follow up on those on those things. So, as a local fundraiser, what do you go and do then at this time? You're you're at home. You're working from home. All you've got is your computer and your phone. How do you go and secure those donations? How do you secure that income that you were hoping for um, throughout this month? There were many fundraisers uh, over the years that build relationships um, with the with the donors. You know, it's not just usually one off. I'll take your funding, but it's you take the funding, you give them feedback, you tell them how it's spent. So you build uh, relationships uh, with your donors. So ultimately, you can reach out to them. Unlike uh, Tawkir mentioned earlier, you can leaflet as well uh, through their homes. You will know where they live. You will have a database. You know, all organizations, aid organizations have a database of their donors, and they will reach out to them as long as they've uh, been given permission, of course. So, but again, it, it, it has been impacted. Uh, a lot of people that give anonymously, um, no one knows where they are. Uh, they usually will come to the masjid and I every Ramadan I usually go back to the UK and fundraise in the masjid and people, loads of people, hundreds give anonymously. And this stage, they might not know uh, of the online presence, but uh, subhanAllah, the, their donations will reach the people uh, in some way or another. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> brother, I just want to mention one thing here, just something Brother Safian just said that of just uh, remind, reminds me of something. So he's right, he comes to the UK every Ramadan and we go to one particular mosque every single time. Whenever the whenever whenever Brother Sefian fundraises there, there's an individual who comes and gives him five to ten thousand pounds in cash for his kind of donation. So yeah, you know, you know, it is gonna be difficult for those people now to kind of, you know, uh kind of give give their money. Yeah, um, and but, especially with our community, everyone keeps money at home, you know. <laughs> there's a lot of money being kept at home that can't be really given online. I mean, Tugi, you've touched on something really important there. And, and you're right, when Safian comes over and we're all together and we're fundraising, it's that 
like like that you mentioned, it's that buzz that we just don't have this year. That buzz that we're all together and we're fundraising together. I, I mean, are you mm-hmm. guys missing it? Yeah, that's the only time I get to see Tokyo. I won't say in Ramadan. It is one of those things, and it's uh, you know it's unfortunate. I mean, everyone's in this together. The mosque, the charities, and and so on. Now, look, we're going to go for a short advert break once again. And when we come back, we're going to be hearing from a project that's very local from us, the Al Farouk Education and Community Centre. And I was having a chat with this local charity that's been running a food bank and how this has affected the food bank. But it's not all negatives. There's some positives to come from what we're going to hear from our dear brother Amin. So we're going to go for a short advert break. And once we're back, we'll be hearing from brother Amin. And then after that, I want to touch on how our fundraising efforts are reaching those abroad, how the teams abroad are coping. And brother Sufyan, Akub and Tokyo will be joining us. So a short advert break and we'll be back after this. One month, one nation, one station, 87.7 FM. Before we continue uh, and with our guests, there's a project very close to home that's very near the Ark, uh, Masjid al-Farouk, AFEC as it's also known. They've been running a food bank for nearly three or four years now from, from what I recall. Uh, where people actually come from the local community and collect uh, not just food, but also other items as well. Now, obviously, during the current situation, not just the mosques and charities have been affected, but the local food banks have not only been affected, but have also seemed to been gained in popularity, which is not a great thing. Uh, but I wanted to talk to Amin and find out what's been happening at Al Farouk. So the next uh, point of discussion is with Amin and his interview from Al Farouk. I have Brother Amin from Al Farouk Education and Community Centre, which is actually based quite near Raja Ramadan. Uh, and Amin, Assalamualaikum, how you doing? Waalaikum salam, Zain, alhamdulillah, how are you? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, Amin, I'm good. So Amin is a very good friend of mine, and he's been involved in Al Farouk for a very long time. And he oversees everything that's going on in the masjid. Uh, and one of those things is the food bank. So Al Farouk have been running a food bank for the last few years. It's, it's proven to be very popular within the community. And uh, a lot of people are coming to use it. Now, obviously, with the effects of the coronavirus, I wanted to see how things have changed at Al Farouk. So I've got Brother Amin here over the phone. And Brother Amin, I want to start off with asking you how... Has things changed at the food bank at Al Farouk since the lockdown began? Yeah, basically, I think since the lockdown, obviously, so much of our focus has been on the food bank. I think we realised quite early on uh, that so many more people would be relying on us to support them, obviously, in these difficult times. So we've just been working day and night to ensure there's enough supplies there to meet the demands of everyone in need. And uh, we have seen a big increase in the numbers. So, like, as you probably know, we maybe get about 15 to 20 people coming to collect food on any normal day. But um, since the lockdown, it's been, you know, triple the amount of people. And, um, and we're a determined bunch, as you know. Obviously, we're dedicated towards serving our community uh, all day, uh, every day. So, uh, but we've had to give that extra push in the last few weeks. Of course, and I mean, I was going to ask, is, is it just food that you give out, or is, does it include other things, like what kind of food is it that is handed out at Alfaruk? So, so sometimes we'll get um, sort of uh, packaged meals made up, so just the rice with a curry on top, or 
and you've got the tinned food, you'll have sweets, you'll have uh, sugar, tea, all these sort of things. So it's a mixture of everything. Then whatever stuff we get of uh, sanitary products and so on, they go out as well. Okay, that's great. And have you experienced like a shortage of things? Obviously, you're saying it's it's quite busy now. So have you ran out of things, or where are you getting your supplies from? Well, yeah, that's that's obviously been a bit difficult because we've because we have to give out more food now. That's just the way it is. Obviously, given how many people are are turning up to. Uh, to pick up the food so we've had to obviously contact a lot more local businesses ask them to supply food and to be fair to them the response has been very positive and we've asked the community to donate food we've asked them to donate cash towards our, our funds so we can go out and buy produce as well um, so it's, it has been has been uh, a bit tough but we've uh, I think given all the circumstances I think, we, I think we've done quite well That's great and I want, another thing is uh, you know have you noticed that what type of people visit the food bank? Is Are the elderly people coming to the food bank or are you seeing it's more the younger people that are, are attending? Yeah, I think it's just a mixture, to be honest. Like, as you know, like, Government Hill is such a diverse area. Mm-hmm. You have people from all ethnicities, all backgrounds. You know, everyone's situation is different. Um, so we've got a range of people coming um, to, to ask us for support. I think it's important that a place of faith is, is at the forefront uh, trying to do all it can for people in these times of need. Okay, and in terms of funding, I know you guys are a charity and it's it's always hard in normal times, but with the current pandemic going on, you know, have you guys got enough funding? Have you secured any funding? That um, And are you obviously you're saying you've got suppliers, but in terms of pure funds, how are you guys coping? That's been obviously something that's... Uh, been very difficult to come up uh, to come by, but um, we're trying. We have we have set applications, so we're just uh, we're waiting the response. So inshallah, you know we get somewhere with that. With that, inshallah. And uh, finally, what are the plans now for the future of the food bank? Have you got plans for expansion, or do you think after the pandemic has finished and the lockdown is away, do you think these people are continue? These extra people that are coming, will they continue to come to the food bank? Do you see it growing uh, to be become, become a popular service? And it's very unfortunate that the food bank, you know, we don't want to hear that the food bank is busy, but it just shows how, you know, the issues that families are going through at the moment. Um, but what are the plans for the food, the food bank at Ulfuruk? I think we have to make it grow, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously you've seen it yourself, there's quite a, a small space that we've got. Um, yeah. So obviously, if we want to expand, then obviously we maybe have to look into having like a, our own, you know, uh, external storage facilities or something like that, or have a, a dedicated space which is a lot bigger than what it is right now. Okay. Um, and obviously, um, yeah, obviously I'm not really the one that deals with the, the sort of uh, expansion sort of side of it, but um, there is in the plans to to try and help it grow, inshallah. Inshallah. Well, thanks a lot, I mean, for joining me over the phone, and uh, I pray everything at Al Farouk and the food bank goes smoothly, and you have a good Ramadan. So that was Brother Amin there at the Al Farouk food bank, um, and he also asked me to mention on air to our listeners that if anyone has any food bank donations please do drop them off at Al Farouk. Like we said before, the masjid is, and many mosques are closed in terms of prayers, but there are still staff that are in, inside mosques helping out as much as they can. They have to because of the, they are the lifeline of the community. 
and uh, they are also helping people nearby that don't have access to, to, to food and other necessities. And just to, to add to that, I was reading a very interesting um, news headline today from from actually the UAE, which discussed how charities are providing meals to doorsteps during Ramadan. Obviously, it's lockdown all over the world, so there is a local charity there that is going around, and all the local key workers they're going around and delivering food, which is which is amazing. It's great to hear that you know, just like yesterday's discussion, there are there's a lot of good going on, and even charities during this straining time, they they are they are still operating and getting out to the people that need them the most. Abu Bakr, you were going to carry on the discussion. Indeed. So, Akub, you're very involved in the Rochdale community. How have the food banks been affected there? Hi, yeah. I mean, it's not just the food banks just within, you know, the area of Rochdale. I think it's a national problem um, that we currently face because if you think about, you know, what, what a food bank actually is, it's usually, you know, a group of volunteers within a confined space that, you know, is providing hot meals for, you know, for, for people that usually go without them. Now, logistically, that is becoming a bit of a problem locally and also nationally, just in terms of also the volunteers, because, you know, due to social distancing measures, you know, due to people self-isolating. So actually carrying out that operation is proving quite a difficult task. You know, as well as also the growing popularity, like we said, it is unfortunate, but the real the reality is a lot more people are actually relying on the food banks. And the Guardian actually, you know, released you know an article, and it said there's a you know roughly about 1.5 million people within the UK that go the whole day without food. So it shows that that is a real big issue that's currently you know um, being experienced by by the UK. Um, mm-hmm. But on the flip side of that, there there has been quite proactive organizations out there who are actually donating. I mean, just having a look now, Asda has donated five million to food banks. Morrison's have donated a million pound. The Corp has just started a food bank distribution. I think there's about 25k donations there. So organizations are actually doing their bit. And I was having a look online and, um, you know, a quote from Anna Taylor, the exec director of the Food Foundation, has, has actually mentioned that the government are actually looking to provide um, food parcels for that 1.5 million people that have been identified as being vulnerable and needing assistance. So there is still hope out there, and hopefully the support from organisations the government will continue. Um, so we can definitely keep on top of the, the food problems that we're currently experiencing within the UK. So, Kier, I wanted to ask you, is there anything that your charity, the one that you work for, is doing for for the UK kind of people that require it? Um, our expertise actually don't really lie much on the UK. See, we're based in East London, and right next to us we have some uh, NZF, I'd literally next door, and they, they are the go-to kind of uh, charities. Like even like more majority of the charities, like Islamic, even, even Islamic Relief, are partnering up with NZF because okay. of the fact that they're the guys that have been, you know, they're, they've basically were prepared to give their zakat anyways and, and help the community here. Uh, and with this kicking in, they've, they've had the systems in place to be, the most helpful so the thing here is sometimes rather than exerting the energy behind learning you know or, or adapting you give rather give it to those who are actually experienced in it um and, and they'll be able to do a lot more with it so 
for us, we've like so we've tried to partner up with uh, food banks and uh, with organisations like NZF that we can then you know raise the money if we need to and then give to them to go and uh, you know uh, they can then decide where is best for the money to go. They've got a whole kind of system in place where people can even now actually you know if, if there's any families and if anyone's listening to this uh, and they are really struggling and 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 the government schemes are not really helping them as, uh, out as much, they can go on the NZF website and then there's an application there that they can fill out and you know uh, then somebody would reach out to them and they could get some extra assistance in terms of uh, vouchers or, 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 or even money um, you know so there's stuff out there to help the Muslim community um, but yeah our, our charity or Muslim aid especially our, our focus is more or less we've been around for 35 years it's more or less abroad we've got field offices in, in, in various different countries and that's where our kind of uh, main focus lies at the moment Okay, thanks for clearing that up, and, and, and thanks for mentioning the whole NZF assistance kind of uh, thing that they've got going on at the moment. So it gives chance for people to reach out, and if anyone is struggling and does require some help, please do visit the NZF website and see how they can help you. Now, I want to turn over back to Safian, who, who is based abroad, and I want to ask you, Safian, in terms of international relief, how is it reaching places now? You told me that you're not getting supplies and so on. So, for example, I've donated some money towards an international cause. How is that going to reach people now with the lockdown and the effects that's having around the world? So um, any organization that's um, requesting for aid for a certain cause, the only request for it if it's going to be delivered. So we won't raise money if it's not going to be delivered. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to clear that. Um, but yeah, so a lot of aid organizations that work work abroad in for example in Iraq, they have to work closely with the local government so they can obtain access. Alhamdulillah places in Iraq the food uh, distribution and process is stable. Um thankfully to countries like Turkey, um they are uh, uh providing the country with a lot of food. Uh, this country is heavily dependent on countries like Turkey and even Iran. So the food here is uh, stable. However, reach, getting, getting it to the people who are in need is still difficult. Um, for example, uh, a human appeal in Iraq. We have our Ramadan, our annual Ramadan feed the fasting, and it's going to happen across uh, Iraq. And subhanAllah, we happening with the local government to, to obtain access. Alhamdulillah, today um, we had a couple of meetings and we got some access and the teams are on the ground. They've uh, carried out a quick rapid needs assessment and they've identified those who are vulnerable and it turned out to be a lot more uh, than what we uh, planned for. So we allocated a certain amount of funds for a certain amount of people based on last year and every year it's improving. But because of coron- the coronavirus, <clears throat> Uh, the number of people in need literally doubled or more than that. Okay. So um, in countries like Iraq, it's stable, but a lot of places like in the continent of Africa, and especially in East Africa, um, things because the coronavirus is kind of still new there, um, is things are difficult. In Yemen, it's difficult. Uh, for example, there was already access issues to dist- distribute aid, um, but because of the conflict and everything, it was difficult. But now, because of Corona, things have yesterday. So the number of people who go through hunger every 
day throughout the world now in the hundreds of millions, and that has doubled. And that's a shocking figure uh, for aid organizations out there to uh, notice that the number of people that are hungry uh, um, have doubled, and that does not help uh, aid organizations reach the sustainable development goals. Uh, of one of them is uh, to uh, to uh, end uh, poverty and end hunger. So, but alhamdulillah, um, aid organizations are are around, and when they ask for funds, um, and then especially, and I, and not a lot. I want to touch on this topic. Not a lot of people know the ins and outs of aid work, and they see a lot of aid organizations competing with each other. But um, the only reason we ask for aid is because there is a need. There is no other reason uh, other than that. When there is a fundraiser, when you see a campaign online, it's only because there is a need. And the ultimate aim is that uh, humanitarians, whether it be in the UK or abroad, the ultimate aim is that we don't have a job, that we'll be jobless and then there will be no poverty. But as long as there are people in need, there are people... Uh, that will exist to deliver aid and there will people uh, that will exist to ask for your uh, money. So it might come across even like sometimes we're begging and I felt like that in Ramadan when I'm fundraising but it's only because we understand the need there and Tawqir will, will know that, Akub will know that and yourself Zain will know that as well. We've all been heavily involved with aid work and we understand there is a need and, and we always encourage people to give as much as they can because, you know, <clears throat> you will never... And I'm sound. I sound like I'm fundraising right now, but it's just uh, always, always, always. Ron, Sufyan, how are your uh, teams abroad coping? How are you, are you lot coping during the pandemic? You know, it's a really tough time. Um, uh, um, it's emotional because a lot of people were made redundant, um, and uh, where we you managing? Uh, I'm not from here, and I've. Uh, up until yesterday, the, we went to the office. Uh, it's been over 40 days. Uh, I'm alone and at home. Um, so we're just uh, adapting, you know. And uh, aid, people that work in aid organizations, especially abroad, are used to natural disasters. And this is just another natural disaster, but it's one of a kind because <laughs> you can't really go out there. But people are coping. Uh, people are managing because we always think of those who are less uh, fortunate than us. And we just uh, try to do our best, uh, alhamdulillah. Thank you very much for that, Safiyah. Now, look, we are going slowly reaching the end of the show. And before we go, I wanted to ask every single one of you um, this, this one question. And that is, I'll start with you, Safiyah, so I can let you go. Is, you know, if I was a local volunteer or, or just someone sitting around in the house and I want to fundraise for a charity during lockdown, what should I do? If you wanted to fundraise for a charity... Um, do you mean methods of fundraising? Or? Right, so if I came to you as a volunteer and I said, look, Brother Safian, I want to fundraise during lockdown. What idea, What what is your top idea, your top tip, your top method? What should I go and do to fundraise at the moment? Because I can't go out and, and go around the community and ask for funds. What should I do? Uh, I would advise you to raise awareness. You pick something that's close to your heart, something that, you really want to uh, make a change uh, towards. Uh, you read about it, you understand it as much as you can, and you raise uh, awareness and advocate. Because w once you do that, you will encourage people uh, to donate. It's all about awareness. It's all about understanding and uh, understanding what you are raising money for. So if you're a volunteer and you have something close to your heart, 
um, that you want to raise money for, understand it, uh, read about it, and advocate and uh, raise awareness. It's one thing telling people to donate, and another thing telling people this is the need, this is uh, how we can help, and of course uh, find out uh, about the charity and how the aid is uh, being delivered. And I never advise people just to raise money blindly. Always find out how the aid is being delivered. So if you, because if you're raising money, people will ask you, where is it going, how is it going, to who is it going, and so on. So um, gather as much knowledge as possible and advocate and raise awareness, inshallah. Jazakallah khair, Sufyan. I'm going to let you go. I know it's nearly Seri time there where you are, and I want to give you... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so so Jazakallah khair for joining us. And may Allah reward you. And inshallah, you'll be back home soon because I know you've been stuck there and you couldn't get back home. And uh, Jazakallah for joining us tonight. Inshallah. Inshallah. That was Brother Sufyan. Jazakallah, Sufyan. That was Brother Sufyan who's joining us all the way from Iraq. May Allah reward him. And, and I'm so happy and appreciate his support on the show tonight. Uh, going back to, I'll go back to Brother Akub. Akub, I want to ask you the same question now. Before I do that, one thing I want to touch on with Brother Tokir is I wanted to just clarify and, and ask you, how are your volunteers coping during this time? I asked the question yesterday and I wanted to ask yourself, you've got a lot of volunteers with the charity that you work for. How are they coping during lockdown? How are they staying positive? And if you can give me a quick answer on that, it would be much appreciated. I think volunteers, to be fair, the message has been quite uh, has been put to them, which is stay at home, save lives. You know, we've been given some guidelines. Anything that can, they can do online, we've been encouraging them. So we set up a campaign actually just three days ago, which is called the One Pound Campaign. Something nice and simple. You donate a pound and you nominate five of your close friends. And because of WhatsApp and because of Facebook and Instagram, these are the vol- these are the guys that are most active. So they've been essential in getting our message across and essential in raising money uh, with this One Pound Campaign. Like I say, it's the third day or whatever that we're doing it and we're on about four thousand pounds um so the thing is stuff like this with movement and with the amount of people doing it will you know can reach to big highs so our message is quite nice in the sense that look uh, abide by the guidelines the government have given you you know there's there's you know you guys as much as they, they they're eager to do stuff um you know the best thing that they can possibly do right now is you know staying at home and taking on initiatives that they can still uh, you know some of the initiatives that are available online Okay, and, and Brother Akub, um, finally I want to ask you the question I asked Sufyan. If I'm a local lad or, or sister and I want to fundraise for any campaign, what should I go and do? I mean, um, Brother Sufyan touched upon it. The first and foremost thing that you should probably do is um, raise awareness for the cause and the importance of the need you know, that, that you're raising the funds for. And if that is not an incentive um, for the people that, that you're looking to, to collect the funds from then you could always give them people extra incentives so if we look at the case of tom moore you know at the age you know of 90 and you know doing you know walking around his garden um you know you can look at stuff like that i've seen quite a lot of people online um doing the 5k run that's still within the government guidelines because it still falls within your one you know one exercise per day so there's quite quite a lot of stuff you can get quite creative um, during these testing times, we know a lot of barbers are closed. Um, a lot of people are experimenting with their hair this moment in time. Of you know, I, I, I even let my mum cut my hair. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can always do the typical shave your head for charity or you can get quite creative. So there's quite a lot of stuff that, you know, that in all fairness, that you can actually do um, within your own home and within, you know, um, abiding to the government guidelines. So I would definitely encourage people to maybe do something that they can do that they've never done before 
um, that usually is a good incentive for you know for close family and friends um, to, to donate to them. Agree. And Tukir, just as the, as uh, Brother Akub touched about the whole hair and beard thing, you're very well known for getting a trim every two or three days. How are you coping, <laughs> Tukir? You know what? This uh, lockdown's given me an excuse to test a few stuff out. So I've actually not touched my beard uh, besides obviously the kind of excess hair. But I've just let it grow to kind of see how big it can get. So I'm um, I'm just gonna let it. However long the lockdown lasts, I'm just gonna let it grow to see uh, what the end result is. And if I like it, I'll keep it. You know, I've never had long hair in my life. So uh, <laughs> if I can somehow get some long hair in this lockdown, who knows? You know, if it suits I'm me. I'm sure with the it, international know? travel restrictions, um, I don't think you'll be able to travel to Turkey anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> right, well look guys thank you very much for joining us tonight I'm going to let Abubakka conclude the show and then I'll come back and give some final remarks so uh, f- before we do that I just want to say Jazakallah to Brother Ako, Brother Dukir I really appreciate you guys coming on the show tonight and I hope the community and those listening online and within Glasgow have benefited so Assalamualaikum guys Jazakallah thank you very much for having us that was Brother Akub and Brother Tokia. Tokia works for Muslim Aid and has joined us tonight. And Brother Akub has been involved in the charity sector for a very long time. I really appreciate them and Brother Safian for joining us. Akub, uh, sorry, I was going to call you Akub. Abu Bakr, I want you to, to give us a conclusion on tonight's topic. It's a testing time for everyone in lots of the sectors, but especially within the charity sector. Ramadan is a time of giving, a time where charities receive most of their donations. Mosques and community centres registered as charities rely on this month to cover their operating costs for the year ahead. Without the likes of iftar events, daravi collections and fundraisers on the ground doing their jobs, so many unfortunate will go in hardship this Ramadan. We pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts the efforts of those working in the sector and most of all, our mosques, Mosques, our institutes and charities, local and international, get through this unprecedented time. Jazakallah for closing the show for us today, Abu Bakr. It's one of those topics that I feel very strongly around and I wanted to know how the sector was coping amidst the current situation. Now, the coming week, we will be back on Thursday. So Abu Bakr and I run Late Night Live from Thursday through to Sunday. And uh, this coming week, we are still continuing our discussion about coronavirus and the effects on the different industries and, and so on. So on Thursday, we're going to be discussing how coronavirus has affected the economy. So it's going to be a great show. And inshallah, by that time, we will definitely have the ability to have you guys over the phone. Late Night Live is a discussion show. Um, we want to have it on Facebook Live and also be able to have people phoning in because we want you guys to get involved. And those who have been messaging me throughout the night, I've, I've made your points and I appreciate that. So Jazakallah for listening in to Late Night Live. We really appreciate all the listeners and I hope today's show was a bit more organised than, than yesterday's. <laughs> so uh, Jazakallah and Assalamu Alaikum. Assalamu Alaikum. Late Night Live. Hot topics discussed daily from 11pm onwards. Get involved by calling 0141 375 3434 or search Radio Ramadan 365.